Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, folks... About five or six weeks ago, we started this series, and, and the series is called Listening for God. Now, I'm sure some of you, because we've done about four messages now, are probably wondering why in the world did he name this series Listening for God because he hasn't said anything yet about listening for him. He's done all these other messages that are talking about the relationship and where I'm at in my relationship, the desire for something more to be filled in my life, all of these other messages, but he hasn't even gotten to the place yet of talking about how we can listen to God. Well, I'm just going to tell you, the other messages, including this one today, were kind of building to the point for you and I to understand how we can listen for God in our lives. In fact, this message today is going to actually prove as a transition point. Everything else was preparation for today. Everything else was helping you to recognize that you do need something more in your life, and that something more is Jesus. Anything else that you try to fill your life with brings no satisfaction, does not fill the void. The only thing that will fill the void in your life is a relationship with Jesus Christ, period. And we've talked about what does that mean. We've talked about, even last week, about how we set up these other things and try to have a relationship, but we got to get rid of the other things. Today, we're going to talk about whether or not you personally own your faith in Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about whether or not you personally own your faith. Why are we going to talk about that? Well, it's because the reality is, is you and I are being at ease in our lives. What do you mean by that, being at ease? Well, here's the thing. While we want more, we grow comfortable with the status quo. Everyone here would say, oh, yeah, I want more for my Christian life. I want more for my relationship with Jesus. I want more. But the reality is, is let's just be flat out honest, you're comfortable with the way things are. Yeah, you want more, but you've kind of gotten used to that craving for more, so you just kind of exists. Kind of like, you know what, if you go on a diet, your food intake decreases. And the first few weeks are pretty rough because your belly's talking to you. Especially when you're driving past your haunts. What do you mean? Well, when you're driving past the golden arches, or you're driving past the sheets, or or somewhere like that. You know what I'm saying? And you eventually get to the place where you learn because there's a craving for more to ignore it, right? You just kind of have to deal with the status quo, right? We do the same thing with our Christian lives. We desire more, we want more in our relationship with Jesus, but let's be honest, we've grown comfortable with the status quo. We just don't have any expectations. We're at ease. Here's the second thing I want you to see. We can deceive ourselves concerning the reality of our faith. We can deceive ourselves concerning the reality of our faith. Now, what in the world are you talking about, George? Well, here, I'm going to tell you, explain to you exactly what I'm talking about. You can 
depending on whether or not you grew up in a Christian home or not, you have to come to a place where you and I have to own your own faith. But the difficulty with that can be is this. Like if you grew up in a Christian home, the faith that you might have might actually be your parents' faith or your grandparents' faith. You haven't come to a place yet where you personally own it yourself. Now, for in my instance, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I grew up in a home where there were no Christians. So when I came to faith, it, it became my personal faith. Now, here's the thing, though. I, I married Lori. We have kids. Now, the, the problem is, is for my kids, and I have to constantly communicate this to them, is it's easy for them, because they're growing up in a Christian home, for their faith to be whose faith? Mom and dad's faith. Did you understand what I'm saying? And so I've had to constantly communicate. I've had individual conversations with them. I communicate this to them all the time. And I say to them, you got to own your faith. Especially when they get older. you got to come to the place where you own this faith. It's not because you are riding on my coattails. There is no riding on coattails in Christianity. Do you understand? It's you personally making a decision. Now, here's the problem. See, you can deceive yourself concerning the reality of your faith. How can you do that? Well, I attend church. My, my, my family's attended church. My grandparents attended church. We, 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 we're always in church. We even have the family Bible from grandma, great-grandma, great-great-great-grandma, so-and-so. It's sitting on a coffee table gathering dust, but it's there. See, the reality is, is that you can deceive yourself into thinking you're okay, but the reality is, is that you may not be. Now you're saying, hold, hold on a second. Now, George, you started out this message saying that we're going to get to this thing about how we can listen for God. It seems like you're just continuing on with what you've been talking about. Yeah, I am continuing on, but we're making the transition because today we're going to look at two people in this passage. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 3, and we're going to look at two people. One's a young boy. Samuel, and the other is an old dude, Eli. And the difference between Samuel and Eli is the issue of their faith and whether or not they hear from God. Their faith and whether or not they hear from God. Because I'm going to submit to you the level of where you're at concerning your faith in Jesus Christ dictates whether or not you hear from God. If you want to write that down, write that down. The level of your faith in Jesus Christ dictates whether or not you will hear from God. You need to understand that. So when I say to you, do you own it, that's very important. Because if it's somebody else's faith that you own, you're not going to hear from him. Because we're getting now to the point where how do I know that I can hear from him? Well, we're going to talk about the, the issue of your faith. So notice with me this passage. Let's look at chapter 3 together. Look with me at what the writer writes. Now the boy Samuel ministered to the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. There was no widespread revelation. And it came to pass at that time that when Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had grown so dim that he could not see, and before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord, where the ark of God was, 
while Samuel was lying down, that the Lord called to Samuel, and he answered, Here am I. So he ran to Eli and said, Here am I, you called for me. And he said, I did not call you, lie down again. And he went and laid down. Then the Lord called yet again, Samuel. So Samuel arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. He answered, I did not call my son, lie down again. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time, and he arose and went to Eli and said to him, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down, and it shall be that if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and laid down in place. Now the Lord came and stood and called, as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, Speak, for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do something in Israel which both the ears of everyone who hears will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity he knows because his sons have made themselves vile and he did not restrain them. Therefore, I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. So Samuel lay down until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel was afraid to tell Eli the vision. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son, and he answered, Here I am. And he said, What is the word that the Lord has spoken to you? Please do not hide it from me. God do so to you and more also if you hide anything from me of all the things that he said to you. Then Samuel told him everything and hid nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what is, seems good to him. So Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and he let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. Then the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this story, and we're going to talk about two different kinds of faith. Two different kinds of faith that are represented by both Eli and Samuel. First faith I'm going to talk about is compromised faith. This is represented by Eli. I'm going to explain something to you. Eli is in his 80s, but you need to understand who he was. Eli was the high priest of Israel. What does that mean, George? Well, he was basically the head of their entire religious faith system among the Jewish people. He was the person who once a year would take the blood from the sacrifice into the Holy of Holies and make atonement for the sins of the people by sprinkling it on the mercy seat. He was a significant spiritual leader 
to the Jewish people. But I'm going to explain something to you. We're going to see several things from his life, four things from his life here. I want you to understand. He was a compromised person. His faith was compromised. He had in his life, remember we talked about this last week, set up for himself heart idols. And that affected whether or not he heard from God. And hopefully, as we look at this, you could examine yourself and say to yourself, am I there? Hopefully you're not. And if you are there, we can change that. Let's look at what it says here. First thing I want you to see about the compromised faith. Service becomes a substitute for the relationship with God. Service becomes the substitute for the relationship with God. Here's what I want you to notice about Eli. Eli was the great high priest. He was the head of the spiritual life in all of Israel. Do you think he thought he had his act together? Yeah, he did. Here's a guy who is constantly serving before God. The things of God become actually over time trivial to him. And what ends up happening is, is that service can come to a place where it becomes so dominant, it actually becomes a substitute for an intimate relationship with the living God. Here's what I want you to hear for your life. Simply because you come here, simply because you maybe serve in some capacity in the church, simply because you volunteer, simply because you give, that can be a detriment to your faith. How? Because that can become a substitute for you concerning your relationship with Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because you are so busy doing that you can find comfort in that rather than realizing, you know what, God doesn't speak to me anymore. God's not showing me things anymore. God's not speaking to my heart about things. God's not communicating. You have developed for yourself a substitute. And what can happen is is that your religious activity can become the substitute. Service becomes a substitute for the relationship with God. That's what we see here with Eli. Here's the second thing I want you to see. You lose touch with how God works. You lose touch with how God works. If you look at verse 1, I think a couple things look are significant here that are said there in verse 1. The writer says that... Samuel ministered before the Lord with Eli. So Samuel's this boy, his mom, Hannah, had given him to be serving in the, with the tabernacle, the temple, with the high priest Eli. And in those days, it says that there was no widespread revelation. They hadn't been hearing from God. I wonder why. And so all of a sudden, one night, everything's being put to rest in the tabernacle. Eli's laying down. The boy lays down. And, and all of a sudden, there's this voice, Samuel. The boy thinks it's Eli calling, so he goes. And you can almost kind of picture this in your mind. You ever had your kids wake you up in the middle of the night? And if you're dead out and it's trivial, you're not probably nice. Get back to bed! And you could kind of picture that with what's going on here with Eli, right? But listen, it took three times for him to figure out The Lord's calling this boy. What's going on here? Eli had lost touch with how God works. Here's what I'm saying to you folks. You can get to the place in your faith walk with Jesus that you lose touch with how God works. And I understand how it happens. Maybe there was a time when you walked with him and you expected him to do things, but there's been disappointments. There's been unanswered prayers. You've grown cold in your heart. And you just don't expect 
anything from God anymore. And then when God happens, you kind of say, I mean, you say things like this. Oh, that was a nice coincidence. That was a nice coincidence. Because you don't have any expectation. You lose touch with how God works. Here's the third thing I want you to see about Eli and his compromised faith. The spiritual guidance you give others is not evident in your own life. I think it's interesting that when he finally figures out it's the Lord calling the boy, he knows exactly what the boy needs to do. He tells him, go back. If he comes back to you, this is what you say. Here am I. What do you want to say to your servant? See, this is a guy who understands spiritual life, but it's not evident in his own life. I'm going to tell you something. I'll I'll just be personal with you. This is the haunting thought that I have weekly as I come to the office here. Lord, I don't want to be an Eli. As I shepherd your people, I don't want to be an Eli. I don't want to tell other people how to live their Christian lives, but I don't live it myself. Do you understand what I'm saying? See, and the older you are in your faith with Jesus, and, and you might have kids underneath you or whatever, you can become like Eli, where, where you service becomes the substitute. You, you don't see God where you don't have any expectation. And, but yet you're, you, you might say to somebody, well, yeah, here's the answer to your Bible question, or, or here's how you need to pray, but you don't do it yourself. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's a compromised faith. And we can get there. Can't we? Because you know what? We can't look at this and say, oh, man, that Eli, what a rascal. I can't believe that. We're a lot like Eli, aren't we? But see, there's a fourth dimension here that I think we need to wake up to. Fourth dimension. Here's the thing I want you to see. Your compromised faith will be reflected in your children. When you read through chapter 3, you see that God pronounces judgment on Eli's sons because they had been vile. If you really want to know what exactly did they do to get that kind of judgment, you just need to go back and read chapters 1 and 2, and you'll be introduced to uh, two priests by the name of Hophni and Phinehas. And they were pretty despicable. Now, how do you, how can you, who are the high priest, spiritual leader in an entire nation, end up having two boys who don't even live like they believe there's a God? The answer is, is because your faith yourself was compromised. And so, what you have to pass on is nothing. So they believed nothing. See, this is what I want you to understand. Your compromised faith will be reflected in your kids. That's a pretty sobering thing, isn't it, if you're a parent here, isn't it? See, you've got to live out your faith. So let me just say, statistics are bearing this out. Most kids, when they get to be about 18, when they leave home, they don't come to church anymore. It's not the church's fault. Don't blame it, well, it was because we didn't have a good youth group. Or they didn't do enough activities, or it was a curriculum they used. That's not the church's fault. Because the church, at the most, will only have your kids for, are you listening to me? 
two hours a week. Who's got them the rest of the time? That's presenting to them a faith. And if it's a compromised faith, it's not presenting much, is it? See, so there we see that. We see Eli. So let's talk now about Samuel. And what I want you to see with Samuel is a committed faith. A committed faith. Two things that come out of this passage. I want to focus specifically on verses 19 through 21. And look what it says there. Verses 19 to 21. So Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and let none of his words fall to the ground. And Israel... And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. Now here's the transition. We've been spending several weeks talking about where you're at in your relationship with Jesus. And we want to transition now over to what kind of faith do you have to have so that you can start hearing from God? Two things I want you to see. The key to committed faith is your obedience to God's revealed word. The key to committed faith is your obedience to God's revealed word. Look at what it says there, verse 19. I think it's interesting. Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. What's he talking about there? He took serious everything God showed him in his word. Listen, folks, God is speaking to you. It's in your Bible. And when you read it and he points something out to you, you've got a decision to make whether you're going to take what he points to you as being serious or you're just going to close it. Because a lot of times, you know what, we, we've, got, we've got a significant number of people here. If we all read from one passage, I can guarantee you that God would speak to you and we would all have a different thing that he was telling us from that passage. Because he's got a different word for each of us. Now the question is, if you want to have a committed faith, a faith that's growing, a faith that's alive, you're going to respond to that revealed word. That's what Samuel did. Let me just go ahead and say this. For some of you here, maybe the reason why God's not speaking to you is because your Bibles are closed. Well, they're open right now, George. I'm not talking about right now. The reason why God's not speaking to you is that the rest of the week, the other six days and 23 hours, the Bible's closed. See, the key to committed faith is your obedience to God's revealed word. Now, here's what I want you to see. Here's the second thing. Verse 21 says it right here. The Lord revealed himself reveals himself to you through his word. The Lord reveals himself to you through his word. You want God to speak to you? I want him to speak to me. I'm just flat out honest with you. More than anything else in this world, I want God to communicate with me. 
too much is going on in my life. I've got too many things that I, I have to work out and stress about. Family stuff, church stuff, me stuff. I want to hear from God. Is that you? I'm going to tell you right now, the way he reveals himself is not, Hey, George, blue socks today. That's not how God works. But he reveals himself through his word. Are you, are you in his word? Are you listening for God in his word? Samuel didn't let anything, and God continued to reveal himself. But here's what I'm saying. As you begin to take the time to read his word, you'll begin to see, listen to me, that he'll speak to you. He'll begin to point out things to you. He'll begin to show you things through the lives of people you're reading, through the principles and the precepts that he's bringing. I mean, there's a lot of times, here I've been reading through First, Second Samuel, First, Second Kings, I'm in the Chronicles now, and, and it's like, wow, Lord, I didn't want to see that. He'll speak to you. So the question is, let, so let's we wrap this up. Here, here's, are you comfortable with the status quo? Do you like the way things are going in your Christian life? And, I, and here's the thing, sadly, I know this. Pastoring folks now for over 20 years, I know that for some, they're okay with the status quo because they don't have any expectations for more than what things are the way they are. And I'm going to tell you something, folks, that is sad because there is so much more. But you've got to ask yourself, are you comfortable with the status quo? Hopefully you're not. Here's the second thing. How would you describe your faith? We've got Eli. He's compromised faith. We've got Samuel. He's committed faith. How would we describe your faith? If someone were to come up to you and say, hey, what's your faith like? What is it? By the way, nobody's going to do that. But you need to do that. Look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, be honest with me. How's my faith? How would he do then? Here's the action point. You need to make the life change decision concerning the nature of your faith in Jesus Christ. See, here's the thing. You might be here and you're saying, well, you know, George, I'm kind of like Eli. What do I do? Here's what you got to do. You got to make that life change decision. It's, it's repentance. You got to make that life change decision. You got to decide, I am not going to be Eli anymore. I am not going to be Eli anymore. Lord, I want to be like Samuel. I want you to speak to me. I want you to interact with me. Help me not to be compromised, Lord. Help me to be committed. You've got to make that decision. I can't make that decision for you. Your, your parents can't make that decision for you. Your best friend can't make that decision for you. You've got to own it yourself. The question is, do you own it? Do you own it?
thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.